hello and thank you and welcome to Book Talk. My How You Listeners Know What You Want to Listen To. Um, they just doubled and tripled over Sports Lounge. What can I say? Um, we have a lot of faithful Book Talk listeners, so thank you very much. We'll throw it over to Jenny and Nolan right now. Take it away, Jenny. Good afternoon and welcome to Book Talk for April 2nd. We have what I hope will be an interesting show. We have our reviews and hopefully you guys will have some good reviews. I have uh, the top 10 in fiction and nonfiction from the latest bestseller list and we'll see what happens. Nolan. Hey everyone. How are things? I hope all is well where you are. Things here are cold but excellent. It's all I can say. We're, We're doing really well. It's always a good week when you can read books, and I did. It's been a great book week for me, and that's uh, that's big. We're, I'm going to talk about a couple of nonfiction books today, if I if if we get time. Uh, you know, if not, we'll, we'd rather hear from you as the listener. So uh, you determine how much of this I take, and and of course Jenny does. Um, but if all goes well, we'll talk about a couple of nonfiction books that I thought were just phenomenal, just beyond outstanding, especially one of them. Uh, kind of changed my life a little bit, and it may yours as well if you give it a serious and careful read. A couple of mysteries in here, thriller. Um, maybe we'll tip our hat to Ken Follett this afternoon real quick. I mean, who wouldn't do that because of the, the great writer that he is? So we have a lot of good stuff planned, and this program is so listener-driven that, of course, you get to, to help us uh, determine what what the content is so that's the most exciting well, part. we have pierre already nolan whenever you want to go to him let's go let's do it pierre go ahead yeah, uh, i am uh right now i'm reading the newest jack reacher book have, have you read any of his not stuff? yet i love his books though oh my gosh i love them yeah, yeah i'm reading i'm reading his newest one and, are you uh, liking it oh i'm loving it i'm jealous yeah. right now i am jealous i'm not in range of your book player that's fantastic. <laughs> Tell me in the, the title of that one again, could you? Um, let's see. I have to go check. Oh, don't uh, worry. It's fine. But, I'm just uh, curious. Yeah, yeah. It's his latest, but I would recommend that series to anyone. I agree. You are so on track. That is a fun, oh, I mean, fun in some ways. Fun right. because it holds your interest. Right. But um, for, for people who don't know, Jack Reacher is an ex-Marine, and uh he leaves the Marine Corps, and when he was in the Marine Corps, he was a policeman. And uh, But he doesn't like indoors at all, uh, sleeping indoors and all that. So he just hitchhikes the, the, the United States. And uh, and uh, the only thing he carries with him is a toothbrush. When his, clothes, when his clothes get dirty, he throws them away and buys new ones. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, uh, and each town he gets in, there's always something going on that he has to solve, but it is a great series. Yeah, I remember the summary. one when he inherited a house from somebody. I haven't read that one yet. Wow. And I can't remember the name of it. Some, that's a great some summary military of the series, guy. I don't know who that was. Yeah, I can't remember that one. I've not read it yet. I'm still working my way through the series. I'm only up to about book nine. So. What's the who's the author of the Jack Reacher? Lee That's Lee Child. Child. Lee Child. Lee Child. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Pierre? Do you know the name of the series? It's just the Jack Reacher series. Yep, okay. that's just what it is. And but the reader on NLS used to be so bad. 
right? Oh my goodness, that would drive you crazy. Yeah, he was he was not good. <laughs> I think but, I only read the first three of those, maybe, but I read them all in Braille because, like Bill said, I started out the first one with that man, and I, uh, yeah, he's there not was good. no way I could finish it. He's not good. He's he's worse than some of the library volunteers, <laughs> um, and that's saying something. I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. That's that's such a thank you for that summary. You've given us an outstanding summary of the whole series and the the character. I like Reacher. I think there are times when you just need a, a book that uh, shows you how someone can successfully put a fist in your face and get away with it. And I don't know. It's and right prevails. Good the good guys prevail, and that's what counts. And. And there's no action packed. You don't have time to get bored. That's correct. And we We have have Joni if we want to go to her. Okay, let's do it. Hi, can you hear me? I don't know. I can't. We can. And I remembered you this week, Joni. You did? I did, yes. I remember. Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, well, Well, guess what, gang? I still have COVID, and this is the going on the fourth week. Great. I can't believe it. I got tested yesterday. I was feeling a lot better, Good and great. I thought, I'm done with this. And then I found out I still have it. But That's anyway, great. on to books. I'm reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Well, I'm reading in Braille on my, on my e-reader, and um, I know it's very, very long. And I've just kind of scratched the surface, but I think it's going to end up being very good. It's Great. quite intriguing already. Great. Good for you. That's, Thank you. Yeah, that's especially doing that book in Braille, because you're right. That is going to be a long book. You're you're committed for a while. <laughs> so I love it because I love my e-reader. Absolutely. Yeah. It's made a lot of difference in a lot of lives, haven't they? Well, it um, certainly has in my life. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this is King's latest, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know, would you call it a horror a genre book? I, he, that's usually what he writes, but maybe maybe that's not fair with this. I've not read it, so I don't know. But uh, it's getting a lot of buzz out there in the in the book community. A lot of folks are reading it and enjoying it. So yeah. and, he's very, and he's a very popular author. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. Very... I liked his early stuff. I did, too. Oh, yeah. I did, too. Me, too. Uh, there for a while, his books really got very boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of meaningless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started reading the book Cell. It was kind of stupid. It was about <laughs> cell phones. I don't know. I yeah. didn't even understand it. See, I gave and Cell a really good review. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I was younger then. <laughs> and Under the Dome. Did you ever read that one? No, I didn't. You know, oh, gosh. I that started that. I started it um, reading it on Talking Book and... I got to seven or eight hours, and I said, why am I reading this? This is a big waste of time. But I love Misery and Dolores Claiborne and Needful Things. Needful and, of course, things. going back to the, the beginning with um, uh, The Shining and um, Cujo and all those books. In fact, I called it, when I started reading Stephen King, I called it my Stephen King Festival because I was just ordering books from the library by King, and, <laughs> and I was getting them, and I was enjoying them and scared. Oh, yes, yes, oh, yeah. Some of them really. I uh, at the Pet Cemetery is the one that made me want to take a brain shower. It just it, it used, that was pretty creepy. It used biblical it stuff, was. but it twisted the Bible. 
and it creeped me out. I came away from that. Ooh, just, just spiritually kicked around. I don't know how to describe it. It was, uh, it was like being nauseated, except that your physical body isn't nauseated. Therefore you have nothing to, to get rid of, or you can't take Pepto-Bismol and just feel better about it. It was some sort of almost a spiritual he, creepiness he, for me. He did write some creepy stuff. There was one short story I read for the life of me. I can't think the name of it, but the whole idea was you could, it was like, it was like a word processor. And if you wanted somebody to disappear and be gone from the world, <laughs> you hit the delete key on their picture and they were history. Ooh, creepy. No kid, and I and I think you had to hit like the in. The, he had some way that you could bring him back, but it was just mm. creepy that that, that creepy. it was that simple to do that. Yeah. How many of us would abuse that power? Ooh. Well, that'd be handy sometimes, wouldn't well, there, it? There Zap, wouldn't it? <laughs> there are days. Uh, well, thank you, Joni. That was a that's that's a great summary of of what you're reading. That's outstanding. Do we have any other hands up? Oh, we yes, do. We, we do. have uh, Gil. All right. Always good to hear from him. Okay, I finally got it unmuted. <laughs> Bill in St. Louis, um, I wanted to uh, point out that uh, uh, the book is now available on Bard by Sherry Gomes. Uh, Haven is the name of it. I have not read it yet. I really want to. I did download it, but uh, I've been looking forward to that book coming available for a long time. And uh, really look forward to reading. So. We ought to some week get that author on here and see if she would talk to us about it for a few minutes, maybe. It's something to I consider. Think that would be a, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, that's something to consider. Um, I, like you, have downloaded the book, but I've not read it. And it's making a tremendous amount of buzz on uh, some of the uh, book lists specifically tailored to, to NLS books like DB Review. Um, fair amount of interest in it, I think, over there. And uh, so, yeah, I have it on the hard drive, but I haven't yet, haven't read it yet. So, but romance is my favorite genre. And, oh, good. Uh, romance category. So, good. Because I used to read them constantly, and then I've just gotten soured on them over the years. And so, this is why I haven't uh, dared to pick this book up, but I need to do it just because she's part of my list and uh, it would be good to read. But yeah, thanks for letting us know that that's out there. That's, that's helpful knowledge. Again, it's called Haven, and I can get the DB number really quickly here. I've got it right here handy, actually. Um, hang on. As soon as the drive Sherry, wakes up. Cherry Gomes. Yes. Last name G-O-M-E-S. Right. And um, the number, should you want the number, is DBC00693. Once again, DBC00693. So that's uh, thanks for letting us know about that. That's helpful. You're welcome. I think you're clear to go, Nolan. You're good to go. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Let me get rid of uh, the Max Audio Pro 6 pop-up here, and we'll be back in good business. All right, here we go. Let me talk to you about this Ken Follett book. I just finished it earlier today. I always think of Ken Follett as the author of, huge big long tomes that last for hours and hours and so when i saw this one and it's been on a hard drive for a lot of years um eight of them actually when i saw this i thought okay you need to either read this or you need to just delete it and move on whatever's next stop being afraid just because it's going to be this massive long book turns out it's not long it's only 11 hours at normal speed the book i'm going to talk to you about for just a minute is called code to zero 
and that's code, just like it sounds. The, the letter, uh, the number, oh gosh, the letter, the word two, T-O, you're going to need to replace me here in a week if this doesn't get better. The word two, T-O, and then the word zero, Z-E-R-O. So again, it's code to zero by Ken Follett. The order number, should you decide to download this and you're eligible, is DB51273. Once again, DB51273. And all of this will be in the list, the, the book list that Jenny sends out in a few days if you're already part of the Book Talk uh, mailing list. Um, it's also a BR uh, title. You can get that if you want to read it in your e-reader at BR12966, BR12966. I don't know about you, but one of the great terrors that I think about sometimes in the what-if world would be, what if I suddenly awakened and lost all my memories? To me, that would be the most disorienting, horrifying thing you could possibly have happen. I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that's worse. If you are suddenly physically horrifically disabled, but you wake up and your mind is still, you still know that you're Nolan Crab or you're whoever you are. The other stuff isn't going to be great by any measure, but at least, at least you're going to, you, you know who you are and you know where you've been throughout your life and, and some of the resources, interpersonal resources that you can apply to a, to a circumstance to ameliorate it in whatever way. If you wake up without any memory, you have no idea who you are. That would just be the most terrifying thing because you, you'd be completely, as, as they say over in, in England, at sixes and sevens, um, it would be terrifying. Um, that's what happens to Luke Lucas. Luke Lucas is, in reality, a rocket scientist. He works for NASA. It's January 1958, as the book begins, and Luke is one of the folks who will be responsible for successfully launching the Vanguard Satellite. This is a crucial launch for the Americans because the Russians put up Sputnik the previous October and the Americans answered with something that was a complete abysmal failure and they have to put something up um, to indicate that they are at least mostly at parity in the space race. Of course, for many years, as you all remember from your own history, the Russians were dominant in that field. And so the entire nation is is really focused on the launch of this Vanguard satellite. And um, Luke wakes up one morning on the floor in a public bathroom in Washington, D.C. He doesn't know his name. He has no idea how he got there. He is dressed like a homeless person. He's wearing a torn, raggedy, shabby coat. And there's another homeless guy in there with him saying, yeah, we got to get out of here, man. They're going to roust us out of here. Hurry. Um so they, they go out onto the street. Luke just can't figure out who he is. Um, finally, the guy who's with him slips and calls him by name. And so he at least learns that he has a first name. But he spends days wandering through D.C. trying to put together pieces of a, of a life that he just can't put together. He doesn't have enough information. Um, he eventually sees articles in the paper about the satellite launch, and that kind of stops him cold and you know, why do i care about that there's got to be a reason I, I care in any case this book takes you through a circumstance in which some saboteurs uh working for the soviets will destroy the vanguard launch if they can and the man who can stop them of course is luke lucas and this is a really um the tension really ratchets up as you get closer and closer to the vanguard launch you are taken back to the 1940s to see Luke's life. 
with the woman who had become his wife and with the woman whom he dearly loved, who was not his wife. Um, and it all comes together. I'm not trying to, I'm giving you only the best of this or the bits of this that will not spoil it for you. Uh, the ending is phenomenal. The, the tension that builds, um, it's really well-written. It's a phenomenal book. It's Ken Follett. And again, it is, uh, um, code to zero. So that would be my first recommendation for the week. He's a good writer too. Well, yeah. And I've always looked at the big long books like pillars of the earth and some of those big middle ages cathedral books he wrote. And I've, they've terrified me because of the length. Oh man, that's a long, do I really want to? And this one was a nice, easy length. Um, I don't sleep well most nights. And so I started it yesterday evening about six and by early morning this morning, it was pretty well done. So any hands up? I think no hands, Jennifer. It might be your shot. I think it's your turn. Well, I want to tell you about, um, it's called The Night She Disappeared. And it's by Lisa Jewell and Joanne Froggett. And this book, there's a a young couple. They on New Year's Eve they leave their little baby with its grandmother, and they go to a party at a big estate. And they supposedly they went to catch a cab, and they never caught their cab, and they're never heard from again. And this mother, she's looked for this. Man and woman, her daughter Tallulah, she's looked for 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 over a year, and she's never found her, and can't find. And she talked to the to the people that lived at the estate, and they they said, "Oh well, we saw them. They left to get the cab, and they never knew what happened to them." And finally, there's a Sean and Sophie. They decide Sophie's a writer, and she's had writer's block, and so she's her and Sean. They move someplace close to this estate because he's going to teach at a at a fancy boarding type school there and she goes and Sophie goes out for a walk one morning in the woods that borders this fancy estate and she sees a sign that says dig here so she curiosity because she's a writer she she thinks oh there might be a story here so she she digs where they where that wooden sign was and she finds an engagement ring in a little box and it has these initials on it and it happens to be that girl's initials and so she decides that she's gonna find out so she she goes to the jewelry store and she traces it back and finds out that this girl's boyfriend bought it and she finds her mother the young, the young girl's mother and they work together to find out what happened to to Lula and her boyfriend and, and it it twists and turns and it was it's listed as psychological suspense fiction and it's really good that's the first book i ever read by lisa jewel and and i would definitely um, i think there's other ones on bard and but i definitely recommend it and it's um the book number is db105170 we have uh edward with his hand up uh so edward go ahead and unmute good evening good evening um, the book i um i read a lot of these uh what they call post apocalyptic books and 
I Good usually job. don't. I yeah, I usually don't read the zombie ones too much. I like the more realistic ones. Yes, yes. Good for you. And uh, the one that I read, his uh, the author's name is Tom Abrams, and there's a it's a five book series. If you get them on Audible, you can get the entire series for one credit, or um, you can just buy each individual book. Now, it says at the beginning that you can read any of the books in any order. However, after reading them all, I recommend that you do read them in order because the last book explains everything. So that would kind of, you know, take away. But it's called The Alt Apocalypse. And each book, there's uh, five books, and they're narrated on Audible by, as I call him, the Apocalypse King, Kevin Pierce. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love, because he reads all of, you know, a lot of the Apocalypse books, and they are really, you know, I love his reading. Uh, but uh, the Alt Apocalypse, basically, it uh, all five books have the same characters. Um, like the first book, I think, is called. The first book is called Ash, and obviously that's about a fire. And then they got other ones like uh, called Pox, and you know these aren't nor any order. And then they got you know there's five books, but I would recommend that each, like I said, all five books have the same characters, uh, and they some of them like in one book one of them may die, but in the next book they'll be the hero. Or they might be the good guy in one book and be a criminal in the next. But it is like reading five different books, but they are all really good. I think there's even one about an earthquake, if I remember correctly. But I I read those, and I mean, there's not too many series that I you know that I won't take a break from. But that one, I just started reading. It's like boom, boom, boom. Next thing I knew, I was through all five books, and it's like, man, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But, that's a sign yeah, of a good series. Yeah, it, uh, I, actually, a lot of books that Kevin Pierce reads, uh, you know, I, I uh, try to read the whole series anyway, but The Alt Apocalypse, all of them but one could actually happen. Wow, they're, scary. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're, realistic like i said except for one and that one does involve zombies um but they don't really focus on the zombies that much but all five books are different types of apocalyptic events that could happen and if anybody wants to read those i really do strongly recommend the alt apocalypse by tom abrams thank you and i'm not sure if bard has them or not um and if they do, I really hope they have Kevin Pierce reading them because uh, that's what they call him on Audible. They call him the Apocalypse King because he reads a lot of those apocalyptic books. So that's that's my recommendation. Is it's called the Alt Apocalypse. If you look them up on Audible, uh, it's yeah. The whole series is just called the Alt Apocalypse. So right. there you be. Oh, very cool. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that. They are very good. I I I mean I. Usually when I start recommending books to people, it's like, oh, man, you know, you got to read this Alt Apocalypse. And everybody that I've recommended <laughs> that read it, that, you know, they did read it and they said, oh, man, you're right. But I wish there was more books. That's great. But, yeah, it's they're really good. So that's great. OK, well, you all have that. a great day. Appreciate it. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, Don is up next. Hey, Don. Go ahead and unmute. 
Oh, there we go. Okay. That's what happens when you can't stay in the right window. Um, I had a very interesting reading week because it was very different from my usual reading weeks. Um, I read the book that we're going to be talking about next week. Um, I didn't read the back matter, but I read the the, the, the front part of the book. Let me and I read that, and simultaneously, Kindle, I've been reading a book called Barbara Streisand: The Music, the Albums, the Singles by a guy named Matt Howe, who I've had some correspondence with. And what's very interesting about that, I bought it on Kindle mostly because I wanted to support his work. He has maintained this website for lunatic Streisand fans like me that want to read everything and know everything and look up what is really useless trivia. He's maintained it for years and I want, and I bought this book on Kindle and I'm absolutely delighted because although I am reading it through, which is not the purpose of it, it's really a coffee table book is what it is, but it is so easy to navigate that if you wanted to, you could skip easily from album to album and read about the one that you want. It would take a little time because you've got to skip through them one at a time. But boy, I'm reading it on my Lady A device. And boy, is it easy to do. Um, so I've been reading that. That's going to take me forever because I'm reading it and listening, re-listening like I don't have them memorized to each each uh, album as, as we talk about it in the book. The other thing that happened to me, I have this huge to-be-read list. And then every so often... Stephen King must be must be working overtime because I get this craziness that I must reread To Kill a Mockingbird. And no matter what else is available to me, I can't pay attention to it. This has happened to me before. And so I spent time doing that this week. Um, I've read it in Braille. I've read all three versions on Bard. This time I did reread the Mayor Trevathan version, which I think is the best. But what's fascinating is Every single time I read it, and I guess I read it, the last time I read it was 2017, my Goodreads shows. And every time I read it, it, it kind of becomes something new to me. So this time I've really been focusing on like tradition and movement and how the two interact and what Atticus's view is and how he how he figures into or how he how other people's views figure it into his ability to accept diversity so it's but it's interesting because every time i read it my focus becomes something different based on conversations that i've had at work with clients based on all kinds of things so i'm really I'm, i'll finish it right after this broadcast but i'm really glad you know i get mad when i have this desire to reread it because i think how many books do i have to read <laughs> and then every time i finish it i'm like i'm so glad i reread that i need to read it more often <laughs> it's just kind of insane but that's my reading week anyway that's amazing what a great week that's uh we'd love to hear more about that streisand book when you finally finish it and just uh and sort of overview what your feelings were and and uh yeah, I think that would be an interesting, interesting thing to discuss. It's, Thank it, you. It really is a coffee table book. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it really, what it does is it discusses the genesis of each album. I thought it would give Trump a, a, a lot of detail about each track. 
and it doesn't, but it gives a lot of good trivia. I actually, <laughs> I wish she had talked to me more because I could have added to some of the trivia. Oh, um, that's funny. Because there's some theater stuff that he's not primarily a theater person. And I could have probably added some of that. But Interesting. It, it talks about the um, each album, the recording of it. And what's really interesting, the website gives a lot of that information. So, okay. But what he's done in the book, and he says this in the foreword, that one of the differences between the book and the website is that in the book, he shares his personal feelings about the album. He's very, very careful good. not to do that on the website. And so what I've started doing is, I read the section of the book, I play the CD, and then I'm posting to one of the fan groups what my reactions are and asking people what theirs are. And what's really cool about it for me, I've talked to to a lot of people about Streisand, but... I haven't talked to a lot of people that know, like, could could recite the lyrics backwards, which I just about can. And it is so much fun to talk to people that know it the way that I do. So we can talk about, well, I like this version better than that version. And I like the, the breath control on this and the violin on that. It is so cool to be able to do that. But if you're not, if, if you don't care about, minutia and details you don't want to read this okay all right that, that's, uh, it, it's that's... well written and it's fun to read but i think if you didn't i don't think the information would particularly grab you unless you cared about it okay still though the, the ability to build bridges to people whom you've not talked with before much if at all and and share the passion that's got to be a lot of fun to realize hey i'm not the only one out here who has this deep appreciation for the for her music that's got to be great it's exciting i'll bet thank you for that do we have any other hands up we do not okay how about one more book review and then jenny we can turn it over to you if you want to talk bestsellers or whatever your next item i don't want to tell you what you're doing but before we go there that's fine okay quick reminder that next week we will be discussing carpenters the musical legacy by mike sedoni may Richard Carpenter and uh, Chris, somebody whose last name I may Chris may is the, is the other author. And this is Mike Sedoni Lennox. Sorry. Anyway, it's, it's called Carpenters, the musical legacy. And uh, I've already read it myself, but we don't want to talk about it today. We will do that next week. Um, Review. We need a little nonfiction. (laughs) And I stumbled across one today that had been on my hard drive a lot, not today, but earlier in the week, been on my hard drive a long time. I have for many years admired the talent of Richard Paul Evans. And I always said, if I ever grew up and I would want to write like that, I, I just really admire his abilities as an author. Every Thanksgiving day, for example, I read a book called The Christmas List that he wrote. And as we get closer to Thanksgiving or Christmas time on, on, this, on this program, maybe I'll review that. Um, He's just one of these guys who resonates with me really well. Uh, he grew up in the same part of the country I did, so some of the names and places he refers to in his books I can relate to, and that helps. The book I want to talk to you today about is not one of his romances, but is a nonfiction book called The Four Doors, A Guide to Joy, Freedom, and a Meaningful Life. And again, that's Richard Paul Evans, E-V-A-N-S, very conventionally spelled. The order number, are you whether if you're eligible to download from the National Library Service, is DB78243. 
Once again, DB78243. This book changed my life in a lot of ways. I, it may that sounds really melodramatic and or you know overly dramatic. And some of you who know me well are already shaking your head, saying, "Oh gosh, there's Crab. He's he's over the top again. He's lost it." Um, this really could go down as my favorite nonfiction book of 2023. It's a two-hour-long book. If you commit to it, you will at normal speed. You're done in almost no time. If you speed it up even a little bit, you're done even more rapidly. Um, I. Gosh, I was immersed in every sentence of this book. What is it not? First of all, it's not a lot of things. It's not a book with those cheesy affirmations that you stand in front of the mirror and repeat every day. You've all seen those kind of self-help books, right? They'll say, well, if you want to do this, stand in front of the mirror and repeat these words every day for 30 days, and you'll become a believer. Maybe those work for other people. I don't know. I hope so. If you're one of those people for whom those cheesy affirmations work, I'm happy for you. That's great. They don't for me. Um, it's not a book that, that makes you mindfully visualize yourself on a beach or anything else. Um, and it doesn't offer a big, long list of things you can do, uh, real shallow things. It's... Uh, it doesn't want you to lose 20 pounds by Memorial Day or anything ridiculous. It's a book in which he talks about four figurative doors. If you go through them, your life will be changed for the better. Um, you'll have a meaningful life filled with purpose and belief. And if you're among those Americans who really feel that life is somewhat purposeless and that they aren't sure what they believe, this could be hugely helpful. Um, I've read this book, and I, I, I think the principles make sense to me. So what are the doors? Well, let's quickly go through them. The first door is that we were born for specific reasons and purposes. A lot of us don't believe that. He insists that we need to come to that belief. He insists that, he insists that history's greatest achievers were people who developed a highly developed sense of mission. Yeah, Steve Jobs, I don't care whether you're Steve Jobs or Adolf Hitler, you had an extremely high sense of mission when you went into your whatever your project was. And he insists that we all can develop that in our own lives and uh, encouraged his readers to do that. Um, he also gives you some advice on how to figure out what your mission is, what your purpose is, if you don't know that. He actually goes into some of those answers. Uh, he also encourages listening to inner voices that help you determine your purpose because they are out there. And in those quiet moments when it's just you. Uh, perhaps those are, are available to you. The second door is freeing yourself from personal limitations, the ones you set on yourself. Um, start asking what if instead of if only. Um, what if even though I'm in my 60s, I still wrote a novel that garnered a lot of attention instead of saying, well, yeah, if only I'd written that Pulitzer Prize winning novel in my 20s like I knew I was going to from the time I was little, blah, blah, blah. He says you need to flip that around and start asking what if and asking why can't I do some of those things today? Um, he warns against defining our lives by our difficulties and disabilities and injuries. He, he says everyone is wronged and everyone is victimized at some point by life. But, but if you dwell on them, then you create prisons and cages from which you can never escape. He says one of the antidotes to that kind of victimhood is gratitude. And uh, focuses on helping you sharpen your sense of gratitude. He also talks about the value of adversity and points to a study in which, uh, uh, or, and I guess he talks about those who 
if if you if you didn't have your particular disability, but you you had to lose all the other things associated with it, all the lessons you've learned, would you take a pill to abolish that from your life? Most most very nearly everyone who asked that question uh, said no. They they wouldn't abolish their disability or their adversity if it meant they couldn't keep all of the gains that they'd achieved because of it. Um, he speaks. He knows of what he speaks here. He has Tourette's. So he understands uh, some of that. Door three is magnify your life. Um, life magnification is it involves uh, just dreaming and and then reaching for your dreams, no matter what your age is. Maybe you have to modify those a little bit from when you were fourteen or twenty. But he insists that life without dreams is is not appropriate, and it's not you can't live like that very long without being terribly unhappy. Um, the fourth and final door, he says, is developing a love-centered path. If you go into this door first, he says, it will lead you through the other three. Um, he defines real love as consistent work. That fascinated me. I'd never heard love defined that way before. But he's right. The people whom we love best are also the ones whom we serve most frequently. Um, and and that's that's absolutely true. I recall at my mom's funeral, going to her the day of the funeral, and said, well, at least all of that caregiving stuff is over. You don't have to fill, you know, oxygen machines with the water and you don't have to do all the, we went down the long list and she hugged me and said, you don't understand. I would do it all again if I could just have him back. And that I was in my twenties then. And it really struck me. I thought, wow, that's yeah, that, that makes Richard Evans point that uh, love is work. And those we love best are also those whom we serve. Um, it's it's a great book. I, what I haven't told you are some of the quotes and stories. That was is what will bring it to life for you and really make it sizzle in your book player. Uh, again, it's The Four Doors, A Guide to Joy, Freedom, and a Meaningful Life. The order number, DB78243, and I heartily recommend, heartily recommend it. Go ahead, Jennifer. Very, very good. Okay, now I have the top ten in fiction and nonfiction. Now these are, they have a little summary that goes with them, except for the ones that we've talked about before. I didn't put the summary in it. But number one in fiction this week was Simply Lies by David Baldacci. A former detective becomes the prime suspect in a murder case involving a man with mob ties who was in witness protection. And that, unfortunately, is not on Bard. Lessons in Chemistry was at number two that by Bonnie Garmus that we read. And this, I think, seems like they said it had been on the, on the list now for like 57 weeks or something crazy like that. Hello, Beautiful was back again by Ann Napolitano. Hang the Moon was number four, and that's by Jeanette Walls. Nine years after being cast out, a young woman returns to reclaim her place in her family and comes into her own as a bootlegger. Uh, number five was A Dark Angel, and that is by John Sanford, and I'm surprised that I didn't find that on Bard either. It's the second book in the Letty Davenport series. Letty takes an undercover assignment that puts her in harm's way with a group of hackers. 
Number six is uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And that we've had that before. That was Gabrielle Zevin. Uh, number seven is City of Dreams. And that's by Don Winslow. And it's the second book in the City Trilogy. When a movie is made about the former life, Danny Ryan looks for his cut and seeks to restart his criminal empire. The, the, the A, number A is It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. A battered wife raised in a violent home attempts to halt the cycle of abuse. Number nine is Where Are the Children Now? And that's by Mary Higgins Clark and Oliver. Come on, computer. Sorry about that. Zoom. Don left just as I was reading that. <laughs> by Mary Higgins Clark and Oliver Burke. And this is in a follow-up to Where Are the Children? A follow-up to Where Are the Children? Melissa and Mike use their experience of being adopted to search for a missing girl. And the 10th one is Things I Wish I Told My Mother by Susan Patterson and Susan DeLallo, maybe her name is, and James Patterson. Secrets and hopes get unpacked when a mother and daughter vacation together in Paris. Those are the top 10 in fiction. Now, nonfiction is uh, number one was The Wager by David Grin. The survivors of a shipwrecked British vessel on a secret mission during an imperial war with Spain have different accounts of events. Uh, Number two is Outlive by Peter Atia with Bill Gifford. And it's a look at recent scientific research on aging and longevity. Boy, doesn't that sound exciting. Um, Number three is Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grann. The story of a murder spree in 1920s Oklahoma that targeted Osage Indians whose lands contained oil. And that is DB87767. Number four is You Can't Joke About That by Kat Timpf, the co-host of Gutfeld and Fox News contributor, gives her take on free speech and comedy. Uh, Number five is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And that's how trauma affects the body and mind and innovative treatments for recovery. And that is DB80482. Number six is Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. By Michelle Zahner, the daughter of a Korean mother and Jewish father, a Jewish American father and leader of the Indie Rock Project Japanese Breakfast describes creating her own identity after losing her brother to cancer. Uh, Number seven is I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. The actress and filmmaker describes her eating disorders and difficult relationship with her mother, and that is DB110152. Number eight is Spare 
by Prince Harry. The Duke of Sussex details his struggles with the royal family, loss of his mother, and service in the British Army and marriage to Meghan Markle. And that is DB112017. And number nine is The Light We Carry by Michelle Obama. The former first lady shares personal stories and the tools she uses to deal with difficult situations. And that's DB111237. And last but not least is number 10, Poverty by America by Matthew Desmond. The Pulitzer Prize-winning author of Evicted examines the ways in which affluent Americans keep poor people poor. And that's, that's it. I actually want to read that one. That would, that would intrigue me, I think, that last one. Hope it makes its way to Bard someday. I was surprised that <clears throat> there were more nonfiction of them available on Bard than fiction. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, you wouldn't think that would be the case. Um, any hands up? We have none. Okay. Oh, now we do. Joni just raised her. All right. Hand. Go ahead, Joni. Come to the rescue. I read I'm Glad My Mom Died. Um, it was a very interesting account of how this mom really wanted to be an actress and um, get into showbiz. And she had tried but really was unable to. So pushed her young daughter into showbiz and took her to audition and told her exactly what to wear and how to compose herself. And the mom, in many cases, was incorrect. And this poor little girl was made to to do all this stuff and was told not to eat because she had to be exactly right, exactly thin enough. And so she took everything to her heart to heart as her mother told her the things that she wanted her to do. And she would eat maybe one piece of fruit a day. And she would go days oh, without eating anything. And it, the mother was so cruel, so unbelievable. It's really a book to read and to get some insight into what people believe and what people will do to get what they want. So I recommend that highly. Wow. Sounds like a page turner. It is. I'm sure. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for that recommendation. You're more than welcome, Nolan. Any other hands in the air? Not at this point. Virtually. All right. So maybe we have room time for one more review. Is that agreeable with everyone or? That's it. You didn't get out of work after all. All right. Um, I want to talk to you about a book whose it's a series I've been reading for years and years, and I've just dipped in and out of it. I haven't read it in order. The author is Joan Hess, H-E-S-S. This is the series about Claire Malloy. Claire Malloy is a bookstore owner in a small town in Arkansas. She's a single mom. She is uh, interested in, uh, romantically, the local cop in town, and um, she has a teenage daughter named Karen, and Karen and Claire get into all kinds of odd little fixes and messes over the course of this series. Karen is a typical, I don't know if she's typical, she's an obnoxiously shrill teenage girl 
who is so well charactered by this author that you can sense that she's going to grow up and become a book loving, competent adult. You just you just feel it, even though in the books she is almost humorously um, shrill. Um, and I say humorously because I I look back and look at some of my own daughters and some of the things they said and did and. You know how it is. If you've raised little girls, any of you, uh, one of the great, most oft-repeated mantras is, my life is ruined. <laughs> Wait a minute. You've only lived 13 years, and you're going to tell me your entire life from here forward is ruined? You really? Um, but that's a very common mantra among little girls, and I've certainly seen that. Uh, but it's a great book, and I, I want to recommend this one, this particular one real quickly to you. It's called Death by the Light of the Moon. And it's the seventh book in the series about Claire Malloy. This is fun. Uh, I've, I've never been disappointed by this series. This is particularly humorous. In this book, Claire gets an invitation to the 80th birthday party of the grandmother of her late husband. It's down in rural Louisiana. And she decides that her daughter, Karen, probably needs to be acquainted with dad's side of the family, even though, of course, dad is dead. So they pack a few things and go down to this this rural town um, on which the estate is that Grandma runs. I use the word loosely. It's kind of a hole, kind of a horrible place, really. Karen is worried about getting a tapeworm. She's scared of snakes. Um, the whole thing is just wonderfully funny. The relatives are all are all the loudmouth uh, Southern racists, and they all hate each other and. Uh, it's it's not the kind of book that if you are on the Chamber of Commerce in rural Louisiana that you would wave around and say, this is who we are, because it's probably not. Um, in any event, one of the members of the house is murdered. The grandma herself is who it is, actually. She dies. And it's up to Claire Malloy and her daughter, Karen, to try to figure out how that happened and who did it. So the killer is somewhere on the estate, somewhere in the house with Claire and her daughter, a lot of fun. It's a lot of humor. It doesn't sound like that because I haven't humil or haven't uh, uh, headlined any of that. But it's it's it had me chuckling out loud in many many places. And uh, worth your time. It's a fairly short book. Suzanne Torin does the narration, so it's well worth it. Again, Death by the Light of the Moon. The author is uh, Joan Hess. DB five three five nine two. And that that's that's that wraps me up for the week, I think. I think you succeeded. And both of you did really great, great, great job. Consistent listenership. Thank you for all the participation. Thank you for Pam and Perry and doing all the moderating along with myself. So thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. Nolan and Jennifer, and we'll be back the same time next week. Maybe it will be a new month, Jennifer. I just had to tease you when you came on and said April. Said, oh, I did, didn't I? Gosh, I said, we're, we're all in May, <laughs> but I have to tease you a little bit. Well, it feels like the first of April here. Right, and none of us ever have been in radio here doing on the internet. We've never made mistakes, right, Nolan? Oh, no, no. Oh, no, oh, never. never, never. Oh, not me. Yeah, yeah right. Never. Oh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just Every time I open my mouth, almost. Me too. Me too. I'm glad you caught that. My notes and everything be on because I put April second on top of my notes today. The, the problem is too when you do radio and you make a mistake, everybody hears it. Oh, yeah. they hear it, and some of them will remind you. 
Oh, they will. Hey, you remember Absolutely. the night you said that yeah. silly word on the air because you were angry about your screen reader? I'd yeah. really forget that <laughs> night. But, um, yeah, yeah, I would, too. <laughs> Been there, done that. Oh, God. Oh, oh, God. Jeff, All right, everyone. Have a great Jeff week. Jeff Bennett saved me a few times on that one. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Have a great All week, 